The UDR cast is not affiliated and does not represent any 12-step fellowship. I, Bill Ward, the host of the UDR cast, will be sharing my experience and my journey of recovery. That does include, but is not limited to, the literature contained in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps. Our guests will be sharing their own path to recovery and what has worked for them. The UDR cast encourages and supports all paths to recovery. Welcome everybody to the UDR cast. UDR stands for Uncover, Discover and Recover. My name is Bill Ward and I'm coming to you from the recovery capital of Canada, Calgary, Alberta. Here we are going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives, different experiences, both with the people I know and with others from around the world. If you resonate with anything you've heard on this episode today, we ask that you share it with anyone who you think may benefit from it. If you have any questions or comments, please find us at billward.life and send us a message in the info section. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you are interested in more recovery content, you can find the buttons for the YouTube channel and other social media outlets on the homepage, and you will be redirected to those platforms. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time. Temptation. You know, at first, when we first work this program, it's about distancing ourselves from the substance. And we wouldn't be here if we were able to distance ourselves from the substance because this is the last house on the block. Nobody really wants to come here when you first fucking get here. You don't realize what a gift this is until you've been here a while. And, you know, finding your way into the fellowship of the spirit, you really want to be here. And it becomes altruistic. You want to come here to share the message, try to help somebody else's eyes light up from the darkness. And you want to drag them out of the darkness and bring them into the light. It was like Bill W., when he had his spiritual awakening, it was like he couldn't, how could he not give it away? He spent the later years of his life trying to build this program and put this book out there so that everybody could have it. Because how could you not want that feeling, that connectedness? And that's what he spent his life doing. And then, so that's kind of what happens on an individual basis. As we come here, we don't find the solution at the, at the mall in a pair of pants. <laughs> you know, and for the real deal alcoholic addict, you don't find the solution in the Bible either. You don't find it in the book of Buddha. You don't find it in any of these places because just like the book says, although his religious convictions were great, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. This program has a way of actually allowing God to work in and through you, through the actions of the program. And as we are powerless over the substance and we finally come here and we get, at first it's the grace of God sobriety. The grace of God recovery, you know, you're at a place of being defeated and you, you release this energy into the universe. The universe, it listens and it almost gives you time of a reprieve to actually get to work on this. So a lot of people are graced by, the, by God 
to have free sobriety. But that's a window. It's a window to actually get to work. Because that grace of God's sobriety, the window closes. And when you look up the term grace of God, what it means is undeserved gift. And it is an undeserved gift, that beginning piece of sobriety, because you've done nothing fucking for it. And if you don't get the rest of this momentum and the rest of the program kind of embedded and working momentumly in your life, alcohol is a subtle foe. It will start coming back. And what is alcoholism? It's this crazy spinning brain based in the fucking root of my problem of self. If I could only have this, if I can only have that, if things would go my way, if this, 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 that, it's all self-concernedness. You know, it's not like I'm the only one self-concerned. Other people in the world are. And the book describes that. But it also says that nobody makes more of a mess of this than we do. I am the most extreme example of this self-will run riot. And that's why I need a substance. I need it to calm it all down. But once I distance myself, just like the step six talks about, putting the alcohol or the drugs on the shelf, this is the first milestone. Thank God that's over. I'll never have to go through that again. And then much to our consternation, we realize that this is only the first milestone in the new road we are walking. And it talks about, you know, the defects of character. As we reluctantly come to grips with these serious character flaws, flawed that made problem drinkers of us, problem drinkers of us in the first place. Flaws which must be dealt with or we retreat into alcoholism once again. Well, if I don't deal with these serious character flaws, and some of them are even subtle, what happens? I retreat back into this crazy fucking brain, and then I will fucking need relief again because now I'm back to thinking about me, which is exactly what we heard tonight. We work out our solution on the spiritual as well as the altruistic plane. And I think the altruistic plane is almost more important than the spiritual because as I work altruistically, I am working with the spiritual. I am gaining spiritual momentum by working the altruistic actions of the program. Simply relying on just prayer and meditation and the ego's concept that I'm actually connected to God doesn't really give me the psychic change. It doesn't give me like what Michael talked about, that this genuine humility that makes me truly happy. That allows me to have the faith that can meet any emergency. I won't get that without the altruistic part. I will live in a delusional state of connectedness with my creator. But it's usually the ego connected. Because God is not really a, a theory here. God is an experience. Through the altruistic action we get to experience God. And through the altruistic action mixed with the spiritual discipline. That makes for the unshakable foundation for life. But I want to read something here because the real problem here isn't really the substance. It never was. Describes it in there's a solution in the Roland Hazard story. I have ideas, emotions, and attitudes that are the guiding forces of my life. And if I don't cast those ideas, emotions, and attitudes aside through the discipline action of this program, in large part, step 10, working with my sponsor, step 6, step 7, step 4, step 5, relinquishment, then I will fucking need the relief that I've always sought because old Bill will drink again. 
If I act in the old ideas, emotions, and attitudes, there's no question I need relief. I need the psychic change. I need to be a new person. So that's what we work towards, is the change. So I want to read this out of the step 7 and the 12 and 12. Okay. As we reluctantly come to grips with those serious character flaws that made problem drinkers of us in the first place, flaws which must be dealt with to prevent a retreat into alcoholism once again, we will want to be rid of some of these defects, but in some instances this will appear to be an impossible job from which we recoil. We cling with a passionate persistence to others, which is just as disturbing to our equilibrium, because we still enjoy them too much. So there's a number of these defects where I still get some value, and some of them I still really enjoy. And I'm not going to relinquish them, but it really fucks up my emotional sobriety. And the thing with being in emotional inebriety, non-sober emotionally, if you stay in that state long enough as an alcoholic addict, you're living in the problem and you will need relief eventually. How can we possibly summon the resolution and the willingness to get rid of such overwhelming compulsions and desires? Well, I wrote God beside that. That's how we get rid of it. But again, we are driven on by the inescapable conclusion which we draw from AA experience that we surely must try with the will or else fall by the wayside. I have to try with the will or I will fall by the wayside. We're not talking about white knuckling, not drinking. We're talking about the relinquishment of the defects that take me back to the drink. I have to try or I will fall by the wayside. Once I fall by the wayside and I put a drink or drug in me, all bets are off. And my ego might even tell me, you know what, I'm just going to fucking drink for a day or a week. It doesn't fucking work like that. When you put the substance back in your body after a period of sobriety, you don't know when you're fucking coming back. Or if you're coming back. Because you ain't done until the drug and the drink are done with you. And that could be a day, could be a week, could be a month, could be a year, could be years. I've seen people on years long sprees. There's no fucking choice in this matter. At this stage of our progress, we are under heavy pressure and coercion to do the right thing. So as we come in here and start doing this, we're under heavy pressure and coercion to do the right thing, to stay sober. Where's the heavy pressure and coercion? Well, it's from myself because I want a better life. It's from my family because my family's sick and tired of me living that way of life. And they finally see a spark of fucking life in me and they want that for me. There's also my, my pillar and my fellow members in the group. They also want me to stay sober. So there's a lot of pressure on me to do the right thing. We are obliged to choose between the pains of trying, the pains of trying. doesn't say that this is fucking painless. This is hard fucking work. When we're talking about step seven tonight, humility, humility has three phases. It's humiliation, humble through pain, and we get to a desire to seek and do God's will. But you don't get to the desire to seek and do God's will without doing some altruism, without going through some eternal pain. The... You know, the pains of drinking before sobriety and inner turmoil before serenity. The inner turmoil is where the work is. The inner turmoil is where we got to fucking dig up the roots and look at some things and try something different. And if I don't do this, the pain of that will take me back out. And there will be certain penalties of failing to do this. 
and ultimately it becomes a drink. And if it's not a drink, there's a whole bunch of self-destructive behaviors that we will feel terrible about ourselves about because we're going against what we fucking know is right. And if we keep doing that, we will be drunk. That's why so many guys with years in, they keep doing that and then they get drunk or they hang themselves because they don't know really what to do. These initial steps along the road are taking grudgingly. Just like kind of what we heard tonight. You know, I, I sometimes want to act out. I want to do some of the old things that I used to do. I want to do what I see everybody else doing. I take these steps along the road grudgingly. Fuck. But I do take them. You know, and there's a lot of humiliation and pain in that. Because my ego wants what it wants. I see other people fucking around. Looks like they're getting what they want. And I got to fucking do this. Well, I always say, you can go do that. Do what's normal. You want to do what's normal? You'll be drunk because that's what is normal. It's not by mistake that 5% out of 100 stay sober a year here. Two and a half make it to five years. Because those two and a half or the five out of 100, they do what's fucking hard. And what, what the, the people don't realize is getting over the hump and living in genuine humility, that's where the gold is. But you can't just get there by wanting to be there. You got to go through the pain and the experiences and you got to do what's really hard. And that lonely road, that lonely road is lonely. It is a road less traveled because you can't do a lot of those things that you used to do, like womanize and fucking, you know, be angry and fucking take it out on people and fucking, you know, be an asshole in life, essentially be selfish and self-centered. We can't, we can't live like that. Yet we do take them. We may still have no very high opinion of humility as a desired personal virtue, but we do recognize it as a necessary aid to our survival. So at this point, as somebody's growing in this program, you don't have humility is not a desired personal virtue because you haven't experienced the depth and weight of what it feels like to be lit up and rocketed into the fourth dimension on a regular basis. Once you get the God dope, which that is, then you experience humility in a way different way. And then it becomes a desired personal virtue that you want to do. And then you don't need to be beaten and bludgeoned into the humility based on your defect of character and self-destructive action anymore. You start doing the right thing. Why? Because you know internally that it's the right thing to do. And then life really fucking changes. But I, I just want to highlight, a lot of this is based on altruistic action. It's not through just prayer and meditation. It's getting out of self, trusting God. Where does God actually want me? When I was a construction manager, I got back into construction. God didn't want me in construction anymore. And I had to be okay with fucking changing that and doing something different. And I surrendered what I thought I wanted to do and what the world had told me to do and what all, that, all the evidence around that who I was supposed to be. I had to relinquish that and let it go where it was supposed to go. And it's taken me to where I am today in a place that I can't even believe it. But because I stay close to God, I perform His work well. He does provide me with what I need. And He keeps doing it, which is fucking amazing. I can't even believe what the fuck I'm talking about sometimes. And I'm not saying that this choice was easy because it's not easy. But in some ways it wasn't even a choice. 
I had to listen to what was inside of me. Otherwise, I would be going against me. And if I go against me, then I just create more turmoil in my life. So I want to finish with this. In the step 10, it talks about at the end of step 10. So step 10 is implemented into our lives to take us to the world of the spirit. We sacrifice our selfishness in the moment, whatever that moment is. That's where a lot of pain and humiliation is in whatever the moment is in the circumstance. And we clear the channel and we start entering into the world of the spirit because we're self-sacrificing because self's the issue. And then as I keep practicing this, I get really cool with who I am. I cease fighting anything or anyone. I cease fighting me because the biggest fight is in my head is with me. And then if I don't fight me, I don't fight you. So then I get placed in this promise, the position of neutrality, safe and protected. And that's what happens. And then as I keep reading down here and I'm implementing this through time, this takes time, it's, it talks about much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. This is on page 85. So it says in the first 84 pages, plus the doctor's opinion, much has already been said about receiving God's inspiration, strength, and direction from him who has all the power. I don't have the power. So if I go through the clear-cut directions in this book, I will get this promise, and a lot of that has to do with altruistic action, period. It's riddled all through here, working with others. It actually says in step nine that I read tonight was, my real purpose in life is to fit myself to be of maximum service to God and the fellows about me. It's not a maximum service to me. It ain't maximum service to my kids. It's not maximum service to my dad. It's maximum service to every fucking buddy. Everybody. And God. So as I do that, what does it say? We have, if we have carefully followed directions. Beautiful. We have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop this vital sixth sense. That vital sixth sense, the one that told me I had to move on from my career I could be making two or three hundred thousand dollars a year right now but I would be going against what I fucking knew inside of me I had to listen to that but I couldn't listen to it unless I did altruistic action and kept the ch channel clear and then it says we have begun to develop this vital sixth sense and we listen to it it becomes the guidance system for our lives but we must go further and that means more action oh so I keep clearing the channel, but now I got to go further, and that requires what? More action. Step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than us are using it constantly. It works when we have the proper attitude and work at it. So now I take this clear channel of doing God's will, because that's what step 10 is, constantly, and then I take this and I expand on it through the actions of prayer and meditation. He has come to all who have honestly sought him. He will come more to me. When we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. So he will, I'm drawing more near to him. He's going to disclose himself more to me. And the attitude, we, it works when we have the proper attitude and work at it. Well, what's the proper attitude? The real attitude is God is the attitude. This is all about God. 
And I can, I can fucking prove that by step seven. It says the most profound result of all was our change in our attitude towards God. He's no more a bit Bush League pinch hitter. You know, if I don't go to God first, I deprive myself of his help. So why am I doing this? Am I doing this for, for me? Or am I doing this for the people? So I got to ask myself that a lot on my journey in my career. Am I doing this for me and am I, or am I doing it for the people? And I got to make sure my motives are correct. Because my brain and ego can trick me and I can tell you that it's for somebody else. But really under the layers of rigorous honesty, it might be for me. So I got to really fucking make sure this is all on the level with God. Because God knows the truth. I can lie to you, I can lie to myself, but I can't lie to the creator. That's the fucking bottom line. So if you're new or if you're struggling, you're coming back and you don't really know what to do. Reach out. Pray your ass off. If there's a moment in the day you're not praying, then that's a red flag. The day should be a whole prayer. The whole day should be a prayer. It gets you through everything. It allows you to get some connectedness with God consciousness. And get through your steps as fast as you can and start working with another alcoholic. Because then you'll start living the program. And work this program till the pro program works you. And then you don't have to like worry about what you're missing because you'll start closing the gap as you fucking keep going and then the gap gets closed more and more and it just becomes a way of life. And then life's pretty fucking good. So reach out, dude. Say your prayers. Follow the directions. Get through your step five as quick as possible. Because for the new alcoholic addict, step five, you got to get that done quickly. You can't be fucking around for months and not having that part done. And I don't know where everybody's at, but that's for sure. And then implementing the understanding of six to whatever degree as a new guy. And then getting to step 12 and passing this along. Working altruistic action. That's where the fucking gold is. The God dope. And just keep fucking doing this shit. And it expands. It changes and it gets better. And the literature changes. The black and white looks the same, but the experience of the black and white changes as you grow and you change. And I'll finish with this. If you're not keeping your own house in order through this program or through this directions in this book, like the inner house, if it's not kept clean, as you get older and you have sobriety time, there's shit from deep down that comes out and it's coming out. And if your house ain't in order to deal with it, that shit will fucking deal with you. And you will pick up again or you will fucking think of suicide. So, you know, don't do what's easy. Don't do what's normal. Do what's not normal. Do what's hard. Follow the clear-cut directions and follow the people's leads that are, that are doing the things that you want to do. The feeling. Thank you for tuning in to the UDR cast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. The viewpoints and the opinions expressed today were solely of the individual sharing them. If you resonated with this episode, please follow us and share this link with anyone that may benefit from it. Please visit us at billward.life to see everything that we have going on. We can recover one person, one family, one community at a time.